0: Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. Uh, I had this experience as a child where my mom would run to us, and she, well, I actually prayed that my sister wouldn't be in the room, but it would be, come around the same time every month, and my mom would come in, and she'd be like, Highlights is here. Now, I know I'm kind of a nerd, but if you didn't know, that pretty much seals the deal, because Highlights was a fun-with-a-purpose educational magazine for kids. And uh, I know... Lame, I know. <laughs> but, but see, I, I chased to this one part that was called hidden picture. Now, you're going to see one. There's a reason it was called hidden picture, because there were pictures hidden in it. Uh, highlights didn't probably make it through a marketing class or anything like that. But the point was, there were some things that were super easy to find in this in this picture, like the hockey stick. No problem, right? Okay. The uh, The heart. Mm, the mitten? Come on. Think bananas. Okay, well, it was easy for me to find. But there were always like one or two items in these 15 things that would be the bane of my existence that I could not find in the minute how hard I looked, and I would look and look and look, and usually my sister was like, hey, he had it, and I want it, and my mom would finally say, hey, Robbie, why don't you... Yeah, that's right. Robbie, why don't you run outside and play? Just go outside and play. You know, come back to it. And then maybe you'll find it. So I would. Well, in the same way, I think seeking God is a lot like highlights in a picture. There are moments where, bam, we see God. Or we see something that looks like God or appears to be God. And we go, yeah. And then there are other times where we say, oh, man, I, I just can't see him. I just can't hear him. There are times where, if we're honest, we start to wonder if he's around. So maybe you're a person who, um, you you would say, I believe in God, but if I'm honest, he's sometimes hard to find. He's sometimes hard to see. You might be someone who says, you know, I I believe in God, especially I believe he's a sovereign being, way far away, high, uh, far And that works, and I do my little thing, God's up here, I'm down here, and so I don't really sense him. And you know, actually my life's probably going better than some of my more spiritual friends, so I don't sense a real need to change, where you're at. Uh, There might be some of you here that are saying, if I'm honest, I'm kind of skeptical of this personal relationship with God. Because even my friends who say they have a personal relationship with God haven't seen him or heard from him. And today I want to talk about the challenges of encountering God. Uh, because there are. But God's word gives us hope and gives us ways with which we can see him. So if you have a Bible, we're going to Matthew chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible and you want one, you can raise your hand. One will magically come to you. Maybe by a pretty cool guy in the back. Uh, As you turn there, we started this series called Encounter, Seeking God's Presence, as a way um, to highlight how God has encountered people or revealed himself to people all throughout the scriptures. So we began with this understanding of uh, God God reveals himself uniquely to unique individuals all throughout the scriptures. We looked at Abraham, we looked at Isaac, we looked at Jacob, we looked at Moses, and in in that, we can start to want, we can have encounter envy. I just made that up. But encounter envy, I want that experience, so I want to do it like them, and if God hasn't revealed himself to me in that way, then I'm missing out. And our challenge was to notice God now, in the present, right where you're at, knowing that he could uniquely reveal himself to you because you are unique, and I'm unique, so he could reveal himself different to each of us and the is to notice. Some of you did. I, got, I had a few conversations with people who said these series of events were strung together and they could only be God. A lot of us didn't. We looked, but we didn't hear much. We didn't see much. And we kind of... Are doubting. We're kind of wondering. Well, I get some comfort in the fact that Jesus was sent by God to reveal God because he was God. And the story goes, people had a hard time recognizing him. Now, a few people did recognize him, especially when he goes up on this mountain and he teaches from this hill. Some people called it the Sermon on the Mount, um, kind of like highlights hidden in pictures, not trying to make fun of the scriptures. But he started up there, and they went, oh, Moses did that. This, this guy, this leader in our faith, he taught from a mountain and gave God's law, and Jesus was saying things like, you've heard it said this way in the law, but now I say this. And so they started recognizing that. So they started making the connection. In the middle of that talk, in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, not that it was Matthew 5, 6, and 7 then, sorry. In the middle of that talk, he says this. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. That's what I want to talk about today. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. What does that exactly mean? I want you to to kind of put us on the same playing field. I want you to think back to a time when you were younger when one of your friends fell in love probably you were a teenager, but maybe not, you know, could have happened anytime. And, and they just said I things like, I can't live without this person. And they love me back. And, and my heart and their heart are one. Or, you know, they stole a line from a movie like, oh, this person completes me. And they want to spend every waking moment, any available moment they can, they want to spend with this person. And so you start to go, how come I never see you anymore? Why aren't you around? And a few days go by, and then a few weeks go by, and about a month later, one of your other friends comes to you and says, hey, have you seen so-and-so? Oh, yeah, they're dating, you know, who's this, who's, oh, kind of everything clicks. And then usually when, not if, the infatuation wears off, there's a breakup. And then we use statements like, my world is ended, or I just can't live, or my heart is broken. I'm not making fun of, um, because there are realities there, but in that moment of being crushed, if you've tried to console that friend, you've probably made statements like, you know, it wasn't perfect. What? No, did you notice this thing that he did? No. Did you notice this thing that she did? Well, no. No, because we say things like, love is blind. And it's not until we get a little perspective, zoom out, that we start to notice and admit, okay, there were some flaws in that relationship that we were blind to or that we chose to be blind to. And, and this is where I want to start because some of us think seeking, God and seeking God's kingdom and his righteousness first is supposed to feel like infatuation love. Some of us have had this experience in our faith. We have had a crisis or we've gone to a camp or maybe a mission trip or a retreat and we've encountered God and and we fell in love with this picture of Jesus and so we start praying every day. We might even start reading our Bible. We might go to church, spend time with other Christians and every waking moment we have this kind of God thought, this God-centered, this desire to pursue God and then the infatuation starts to wear off. Not bad, just reality. Maybe this has happened in a relationship when you start to notice that he passes gas too much or, you know, he makes rude comments or she wears a little less makeup or she stops laughing at your bad jokes and you start to go, hey, what happened? And in real relationships, in physical human being relationships, I mean, uh, we kind of come to an invisible crossroads don't we? When the infatuation wears off and we have to make a choice. Do I want to end it? Do I need to add some drama, put some thrills and excitement in to liven it up? Do I really take the risk and let them see the real me? Because in infatuation love, we hide (laughs) our flaws, (laughs) just show the good parts. So do I want to totally keep open myself up? Especially those parts that that I've hidden. See if they accept me. Or, many of us, we just might kind of go through the motions once the infatuation love is kind of over, but we have, still have this relationship, because to everybody else, they can't see that. To everybody else, it still looks good on the outside, so we could go through the motions, and we could make it last for a while, and again, no judgment, but I think there's a lot of us that go through the motions with God because nobody else can see. But Jesus, he's, he's pretty amazing. Look at what he says at the beginning of this little section, verse six, uh, or chapter 6, verse 1. He says, Now be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others or to be, to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward in heaven. And he talks about three specific ways that people in his day encountered God. And I'm just going to jump down to verse 5 because we're talking about prayer today. So, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. Hypocrites were people that kind of did one thing over here, and then they did one thing over here. They were split, um, the words actually mean. So don't be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues, the religious places, standing in public on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go in your room and close the door and pray to your father who is unseen or pray to your father in secret because your father, your heavenly father who sees in secret will reward you. I don't know which words your Bible has. If it has unseen or secret or hidden, all these words mean like encrypted. Uh, the word in the Greek is "crypto," and it's we have locks called kryptonite locks, and they're supposed to be really hard to break into. And we have um, computer, you know, people uh, that that can crack codes, and they encrypt stuff so that it will, you know, be more secure. and that's the idea that Jesus is talking about here, is that God is, is hidden, but he's there. But sometimes we don't see it. We especially don't see it if our motivation is to be seen by others. So if we're going through the motions, God is saying, careful what, who you want to see. If you want to see me in reality, think hiding secret. And if, if this is where you're at, I just need to pause and say, if all you have is infatuation love with God, he takes it. He's super excited to be in relationship with you. But, he, he loves you so much that he's not going to keep you at infatuation love. He wants a deep relationship built on mutuality, trust, openness, respect, truth. And so he's going to want more. Now, what happens in infatuation love? Well, when it starts to wear off, if you've been in this situation, let's say you're the one who's kind of had this point where it's worn off and the other person is coming hard. What do you do? Right? Don't, don't we run away? The more they press in and the more we're trying to figure it out, we, we say things like, I just need some space. I just need to I just need to process. I just need to figure out if I'm at the same place that you're at. Well, God created us. He created our emotions. He created our our desires. And so I think in this way, God is similar. If you're saying, like, I don't know where we're at, well, he's not going to run after you. He doesn't want to be a needy, codependent person. But he is going to wait, and he is going to pursue but he's going to keep the mystery. He's going to keep the hiddenness because that's what draws us back. Now, he would pursue all the way if he really thought that would win our hearts. But for most of us, it wouldn't. So he waits. He's ever-present, ever-patient, but he's hidden. So if that's where you're at, again, no judgment. I would just encourage you to Admit it. Say, this is where I'm at with you, God. And I'm at this invisible crossroads. And, and I would encourage you to say, okay, I'm going to reveal all of me, the good and the bad, and see if God accepts you. I have not met anyone, I haven't read anyone in Scripture, I haven't met anyone in person who's humbly and vulnerably come to God and had God go, mm-mm, nope. God is saying. So I take great hope in that. But that's just one, this kind of infatuation love. The other way that is a real obstacle to our encountering God is that we just live in a world of distraction. And we're really distracted people. And I think this video that we're going to see here for a couple minutes shows just how distracted we are. Stuck under his car, and like who knows how long he was driving. Like, I saw him pull out of the parking lot and turn right, and the box was still stuck under his car. So who knows how long he was driving with that box under his car? I like bet he got home. He pulled into his driveway. out in the sky. I'm not. Wow. wow. like
1: it's-, it's not. It's not. I don't think it's real. I don't think it's real. Oh. I think it's Maybe real real. A w- I see the lineup for. I really The Empire State building, building is like really yeah, close yeah, to it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Me think. It's sad, isn't it? I, I mean, almost for me, it's a, a visceral response because I just feel so divided when I watch it, and yet I look at my own life and think about the number of times and the number of snapshots in my day where I'm just split. It goes back to that infatuation relationship that friend who is dating that other person, they finally, after a month, they finally spend some time with you and they're out with you, but they're not really with you, right? Because they're just thinking about the other person. I mean, in this video, we think the people are with us, but they're not with us. And, and what is the driving factor in that? Do we think we're going we're gonna to miss out on capturing something in our life? We're so obsessed with trying to capture the moments of our life, we might not experience them. Well, Jesus, uh, 2,000 years before this, it's not cell phones, but go to verse 19. He says, Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. steal. Store treasures in heaven. Why? Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Again, God created our desires. And so possessions, money, he goes down a little bit later. Uh, verse 30, well, a couple of them, but 25, 26, 31. Uh, I'll just go to verse 31. Don't worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Because, because the pagans run after these things. Now, pagan here is, it doesn't, I don't know what you think of when, when you hear pagan, but what the Word is trying to say is anyone that's not Jewish, anyone that doesn't have this understanding of who the one true and living God is. So maybe your Bible says Gentiles, or maybe it says unbeliever, unconverted, um, pagan. That's the idea that they're trying to get to. So someone who doesn't know the one true and living God, they run after these things. Why? Well, that means we're going to have to know why we run after God. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and then all these things will be added. There's something in those statements because this is right before that where this is connected. For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows you need them but seek first the kingdom, his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. Money, money, possessions food drink clothing i mean yes for some of them this was sustenance this was the ability to survive the ability to live right but but it can easily go one step beyond that right the ability to live and then this yearning to live these these things are going to make me alive do you know if i can get the new if i can get this outfit right i can be alive people will notice this outfit. It'll, it'll give me life. I can, I, can, I can go to a five-star restaurant and, oh my goodness, I can have a little bit of heaven. We even use statements like that if we go to the right restaurant and we eat the right food and all of a sudden drink the right stuff and, oh, I feel alive. And... In the right possession, you know, if I, if I go stand in line at 3 p.m. Or well, actually probably more like 9 a.m. on Thanksgiving Day at the big box retailer, I could get the new PS4. That would be life. That would, oh, that would feel good. If I could just save enough money, you know, how much money would it take to get the lake home? Or the perfect retirement? Because these things would help me live. And God is not anti any of that stuff. So if you have a whole bunch of stuff, God's not going, give me your stuff. He might be, but he doesn't hate it. He just knows that it's so easy for us to put, because the desires are in the same line, this desire for living is in the same line as life, and he's trying to say, no, no, I'm life. But, But we can feel money. We can touch it. We can... We can smell and taste food and drink. We can feel the clothes go on, but also see the look on people when they look at us and go, mm-hmm. And it gives us this hint towards life. And it's so subtle. But Jesus knows this stuff distracts us from truly living. Not only distracts us, it causes us to worry, it causes us to be split, as the video showed so well. And he says, careful. Be careful. And he says, in fact, don't worry about those things. Don't be distracted by those things. Don't think that if you run after those things or you search for those things, those are going to give you life. Search first for his kingdom and his righteousness. And if... 2,000 years have gone by. Money, possessions, food, drink, clothing... Gee, I wonder what we worry about today. Money, possessions, food, drink, clothing. Different brand, same thought. Because the human heart is the same as it's ever been. And we get pulled and we we want life. Because, again, God gave us desires. He wants us to encounter him. He wants us to have a mature relationship with him. And so what do we do? It gets hard. He gets difficult to see. But money, possessions, food clothing, drink. It's not bad. It's just we can see those. We can, those appeal to our senses. And so when God seems hidden, it's so easy to chase those things. In fact, just like the hidden picture, picture, when I can't find it, what did my mom say? Run outside and play, then come back. And I think far too many of us have done this with our relationship with God gets hard, he gets distant, life gets tough, or these other things get more appealing. And we run outside and play. And we think, oh, I can just come back. Except it's really, really hard to come back. I was in a conversation with um, a guy who told me some of his encounter. And he said, when I was 10, I started to really wonder if God was real. Could I see him? Could I experience him? And that wonder turned into worry. And I, I was afraid to ask questions, and I didn't get to ask him, like, were you afraid that the church wouldn't accept your questions? No good questions here, especially no questions that we can't answer. We don't want those questions. Or was he just afraid to ask the question? Didn't get to ask him that. But, but either way, his, his wonder turned into to worry, and he started to worry, I think maybe I'm missing out. I can feel these things, but I can't feel God, so I know what I'll do. I'll just run outside and play for a while, and so at 13 or 14 years old, he went out to play. First, it was cutting school, and it was kind of, this is all kind of a pleasure adventure. I'll cut school, and maybe that'll give me the thrill, and it was easy, and I didn't get caught very often, and experienced some life in that, and, but that kind of wore off, so then it was, it was really easy for, for this young man to get alcohol, so he started drinking, and that brought a little thrill, brought a little life to him, and 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 then that wore off. And then it was dating because it was in high school, and so, whew, and so then that thrill wore off, and then it was farther than that dating, um, all the way dating, full experience of thrill of pleasure, and not getting caught, and drinking and dating, and 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 then that thrill wore off and so then it was drugs but then that thrill wore off and then it was selling drugs and cuz then there was the thrill of maybe I could start to recoup some of the costs of my investment of my pleasure adventure and then that wore off and he sat as an adult in jobs that he liked but didn't like kind of thrillless joyless, dark. And as he says, I was just depressed. And, and he didn't have any healthy relationships, uh, didn't date, he basically didn't have any, any good relationships. And, and God, he'd if he was honest, he'd say, I, I, I lost the ability to see God in the search for all this other stuff. And I was just dark. Was blinded. Here's the good news: that when we're in the dark, God's there. He's right there. And and for him, uh, he he just felt too far away, and to even know where to look. And then he felt too much guilt and shame to run back to the church. Fortunately, somebody was praying for him and somebody else went running, searching for him. Now, in the midst of this, um, I, want, I just need to pause this story there and say, God is not anti-pleasure. Again, God gave us desires, he gave us emotions, he gave us his senses, for Pete's sake, or for God's sake, actually for our sake, he put he put all kinds of nerve endings in all kinds of places so we could experience pleasure. God did that. It's <laughs> sorry. It's he's not anti-pleasure, but he knows that when we run after pleasure, that that thrills are just going pleasure is going to become normal. And normal's going to become boring, and boring's going to become worry, and worries going to become doubt, and doubt is probably going to lead us to depression, and we're going to wonder how can I find God? I just feel like I'm in the dark. You went outside to play, and it's dark, and if that's you. God is right there. God knows. I mean Jesus said this stuff 2000 years ago. It's the same today as is same then that it is today. Whatever you ran after, I think all of us could say we ran after something. Something that we thought was going to give us life, but but God is the only one that gives us life and and God knows exactly what we need. But he, he wants us, again, that mature relationship built on truth and trust. So he wants us to come, say we need it, say we want him. He didn't, he's not just sitting back there going, come on, I'll, I'll play uh, Marco Polo. I know you're in the dark. No, no, he sent, he sent his very best. He sent his one and only son to reveal god because he was god because he desperately and abundantly and mercilessly loves us pursues us dies for us to restore the relationship to turn on the lights if you will to to reveal the kingdom and the righteousness if we can seek first his kingdom and his righteousness if we can understand jesus then we can see that it's not hidden it's right there It's just not in our physical world that we would see. It's in the spiritual way of seeing. And we figure it out at the end of the verse. But see, the unbelievers, they run after all these things that they think will give them life. And your heavenly Father knows you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Why? Because, Because what we believe about God will determine where we go, what we do. Your Heavenly Father knows you need these things. Money, possessions, food, clothing, drink. He knows you need them. Now, do we think God's holding out on us? Because Adam and Eve, in in the garden, they thought God was holding out on them. They doubted. And that's the thing for all of us. It's the same. The human heart's the same. The whole story. I I wonder if God is holding out on us. We'll go after that. You say, no, no. Your Heavenly Father knows you need them. So if you believe that God is good, he's going to give them to you. If you believe God gives good gifts, do you believe he's giving abundant gifts, that he's just waiting to give them? Every day is kind of like Christmas. I'm just waiting to give it to you. You have to receive it. So what do we believe about God? Do we believe that God wants to show himself? Do we believe God wants to speak to us? God wants this relationship that that Jesus prayed at the end of his life. God, I pray that they would be one, like we're one. That we would have this, this relation, this intimacy with God that, in fact, he describes as, as the marriage intercourse, that they would be so connected. God wants this intimate relationship of truth and trust. So he says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and he'll give us all these things. And don't think you got to be perfect. Don't think you got to get it all figured out. In fact, in those moments of closing your eyes, no matter how dark it is, you just can say, I am in the dark. I pursued other things, God, but, but I want to find you. And he's right there. He will not force his way into our lives, but he will drop secret hints that he is right there because he loves you that much. So what does it look like? Well, Jesus says, verse 66, When you pray, go in your room and shut the door. And pray to your Father who is in secret, and the God who sees in secret will reward you. He will meet you in that hidden place. So it means we've got to find somewhere to be undistracted. Now, some of us can experience that at church. Others of us can't. For me, I I have four secret places. This is a really hard thing for me, and it's taken me a couple years to develop this, but I finally have these four places now, maybe five in my life, but they're secret, so I'm only going to tell you about one. Um, I have a a chair in my living room that's my wife's favorite chair. I just make sure I don't sit in it when she wants it. But I've said that's my secret place. It's amazing what you can make yourself think. God gave us these amazing brains. So that's my chair, God. That's where I'm going to meet with you. And somehow when I go there, it's really easy to not bring my phone. It's really easy to not think about other things because I've prayed and I've trained myself. Okay, God, I want to meet with you here. And, and God doesn't speak to me audibly. Uh, sometimes he's spoken so clearly into my soul that I have to believe it's God. But oftentimes I don't even get that, so I have to bring his word. I can bring my Bible to my secret place. And I've got to read just a little bit. Go, okay, God. What do you got for me but for us, for our relationship? Because I want to go through the whole day with you and experience you no matter what I do. So I got I to have that undistracted place. I got to have the word. And then I got to sit in silence. And if you know me, that's pretty hard for me. And some of us that are introverted know that silence is hard because we want to be in our own thoughts. But yet God is calling us to be in his thoughts. And so silence, the best way I can describe it is if you're, if you're driving in the car with someone that you barely know but you kind of like, or just as a friend but you barely know them and you're going on a long trip to the point where you run out of things to talk about. And all of a sudden there's the silence. Silence and your stomach starts to churn, and you go, oh, it's awkward, look outside, because you're not comfortable with that person, but whether it's a, a romantic relationship or just a friendship that where there's truth and trust, you can go on a long trip, you can have hours of silence, right, and it's totally fine totally fine. Why? Because you know them and you trust them and they know you and they trust you. And that's what God wants for us. He wants this place where we can feel so comfortable with him that we can have silence. Because we live our lives up here like the video. We're super distracted or we're on our pleasure adventure or we're in infatuation and God doesn't speak in those places. He speaks in the places of quiet. because He's hidden. But he's not far. So we got to like silence. we got to learn to practice silence. Because God whispers. But he loves you. He loves me. So where is the hidden place? If if you tracked with me the whole time and and you're wondering if God accepts you, he is right there running, waiting. Send Jesus to die for you to reveal himself and, and live in him you tracked all that, where's your hidden place? As Sean and Leah come up, think about in your life where you have places of undistracted, where you have places of quiet, where you can enjoy silence. Maybe you could actually put your phone somewhere else, or you could drive with the radio off in the car. Uh, if, if you're not sure where to go, I'd love to talk with you. And if you're just not sure because it's so dark, God frees people all the time. God, Jesus comes on the scene and he releases people from their addictions. He releases people from their darkness all the time and he wants to do that for you. So we got a prayer corner and i love to pray with you um, before you go today. So let's just sit in a moment of silence, and then we'll, we'll wrap up. God, thank you that you reveal yourself in the hidden places. Help us to seek you in the secret. Because you want to reveal yourself in the light.
2: One of the places that Um, that I meet God and that is a still and quiet place is just sitting with my guitar. And in that time, I often write music and write songs. And this song I wrote a few years back and it's just about um, God's peace and stillness and um, just asking for that in our lives. prayer this week, that God would bring peace into our lives and that we would find a place of stillness and of rest.